Hebrews chapter 11 is frequently called the hall of faith because you have a listing of so many people in regards to the great faith that they possess. And the author of Hebrews up to this point has been describing how to be able to continue in faith through suffering and through difficulty with the charge to them to not give up, to not lose heart, to not turn back, even though they would be going through so much. In our lesson last week, we looked at the enduring faith that was called to them in chapter 10, uh, describing the need for endurance in this walk with God. And what he did at the end of chapter 10 was beautiful, where he spoke of the righteous living by faith and saying, we're not the ones who are going to shrink back. We are not the ones who are going to shrink back and then by doing so would would lose our souls and be destroyed, but that we are the ones who will have faith and thus have our souls saved. Which, which leads into chapter 11 with this description about the people of faith. Uh, I, I would love to go through chapter 11 and just do each person individually and I've done that before about, I think that's about 12 years ago when I did that so if you really want that series that's online somewhere uh, but what I thought would be perhaps more valuable is to keep it more to the message there's a reason for the repetition of all of the names and what's being given I don't think that the intent of the writer of Hebrews was to read a person's name like Adam and Abraham and then go, okay, let's go study Abraham now for a while, then we'll come back to this this message that the writer of Hebrews gave us, and then we'll study Moses, and then we'll come back and and spend all of that time. There's a reason for the rapid fire. There's a reason for the quick hitting of all of the names as he goes through and describes their faith. So what I want to do this morning is read chapter 11. And as we read through chapter 11, I want us to have our ears open to the repetitions and main ideas that you will hear stated quite a few times throughout the chapter. If you are a visual learner, I would really encourage you to have your Bibles open. Chapter 11 is a long chapter, and I'm going to read it all in one shot so that we can get the feel of what the chapter is doing. If you are an audio learner, then I would encourage if you want to close your eyes, but not take a nap, but close your eyes and listen to the reading and hear that repetition and hear what the writer is doing. And that's how we'll begin our lesson this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel, offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. 
And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and from him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus speak, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. For if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been circled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? 
For time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. It's an amazing chapter. And there are three messages that I want to spend our time with looking at. Three messages in regards to faith that are highlighted in repetition in this chapter as he encourages the faith of these Christians. The first message that comes right out of the gate in the first six verses, and in particular in verse 1 and in verse 6, is that faith is Necessary Faith is necessary. Verse 1, the ESV and most translations say, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And I understand that reading because that is the idea of what faith is supposed to do. Uh, if you grew up on the King James or the New King James like I did, it'll say, faith is the substance of of things hoped for. Now I understand why we went away from substance. Because when we think of substance, we think of substance and we go ew a substance and that's not the idea but substance is something that stands under that's substance that's what's going on there is faith stands under hope faith is the support faith is the foundation and so faith is the thing that holds hope up it is that substance and then on a subjective level it is that assurance that we have it is the thing that stands under that hope and notice that's the picture that he gives here in verse 2 this necessity of faith by saying not only is it the support that holds hope up but he says it is by faith that everybody gained God's approval Faith has always been a necessity. That's always been the picture. And that's what he uses this multiplicity of people to show. Why did all of these people gain God's approval? Because almost every sentence begins with, by faith. By faith, somebody acted. And that is what is being pictured here, is this idea of we must have faith if we are going to have God's approval. In fact, the rest of verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And throughout the reading, you might have noted that over and over again, the writer speaks of things that were not seen. 
that these people were acting on the basis of unseen things. And that is the way that faith always operates. Faith and hope always are operating on the thing that is not seen. In fact, that's why I put Romans chapter 8 verse 24 up there, which reminds us, hope is not hope. If you've seen it, you don't need hope. And faith stands under hope, so you don't need that either if you already have it. The whole point is that when it comes to faith, it is about unseen things, which he validates, if you notice, in verse 3 when he says, here is my big illustration. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. Can you see that? Not only was nobody there to see it, even if you were there, you couldn't have seen it because it was by His words. He said it. He spoke words and it came into existence. So the things that are visible were created by invisible things, words that came from the mouth of God. This is the whole point that is being driven at here is to begin for us to recognize that faith is necessary. What makes continuing on our spiritual journey with God so hard is I believe the fact that we can't see what we believe in. Faith's challenge is that by its very explanation, by its very definition, you are believing in that which you cannot see. In fact, notice that verse 6 really draws that out. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Notice again, the necessity of faith is put forward. Without faith, we have no approval before God. Faith is a requirement. We must have faith. But notice what faith is now going to be in. He states two things in verse 6. That we must believe that He exists. Can you see that? No. And He rewards those who seek Him. Can you see that? No. This is the ultimate challenge of faith. Is that we are put in a struggle that we so often want to just simply go by what we see. And the writer of Hebrews is starting out here by helping us understand faith is all about the things that cannot be seen. That faith is the thing that stands under our hope. And we cannot see how things are going to turn out. We can't see the great reward. We can't see the future. We cannot see heaven. We cannot see eternity. And I suppose all of us have at some point or another said, well, if I could just see one of these things. And notice what God is saying. But that's not faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is exactly how God has set it up, that God has made it, that our journey with him would be a journey of faith. And that is what you see throughout chapter 11 as it was read for us, is that all of these people had to put their faith in something that was unseen. When he speaks of Noah, he is going to build an ark. It had never, ever flooded and not rained like what you see happening there. And yet he had to believe 
that if there's going to be so much water that's going to cover the mountains. Have you seen that before? No. Something unseen. But he had to have faith in it. Abraham, the writer of Hebrews says, had to go to a land of which he didn't know where he was going. He just leaves his family behind and is just going to go toward the promised land, whatever that may be. He did not know what that was. He had not seen it first. He had not gone and done some prospecting to see what the land was like, you know, get some job requirements, put a deposit down on a house before he moved his whole family. He just gets up and goes to the place unseen. This is the repetition. Sarah and Abraham, they believe they're going to have a child even though their bodies are too old to have a child. That's an unseen thing. That's something that no one's ever done before. Abraham believes that God is going to raise Isaac from the dead and lifts up his knife to slay Isaac. Had he ever seen resurrection before? No. The whole point is that faith is unseen and yet faith is necessary. Everyone must believe in the unseen and that's what the picture is is given to us here. We did this on our Sunday night lesson with Joshua. Walk around the city walls seven times and they'll all fall down. And all the people of Israel said, yeah, we saw that work last week. We'll do that. No. It was an unseen thing. What God is saying is do something that you've not seen. You don't see the outcome. You don't see the reality. And so often we will just show me how it's all going to play out. And God is saying, that's not faith. We want all the answers and just show it to me now. And God says, that's not faith. Faith believes in the unseen things. And I don't believe it's by accident that he starts with creation and says, you believe in an unseen God who spoke creation into existence. That's, you didn't see it. And the whole of scripture and the whole of life is believing in the unseen. Faith is necessary And is a requirement on us to believe in the things that we simply cannot see. If I had lots of time, this is already going to be a super long sermon, but if I had lots of time, I would love to go, think about all the things that you believe that you've never seen before. Tons. You've never seen George Washington, but you believe he lived. And all the things that, were tons and tons and tons of stuff. But sometimes we come to the Bible and go, well, I can't see. Well, you believe in all kinds of things you can't see. That's faith. And the same call is being given to us here. Number two, faith does not look for joy and reward in this life. This is a big emphasis in this chapter. Over and over again, it is highlighted that these people did not enjoy a reward in this life. Hebrews 11, verse 13. All these died in faith, not having received the things promised. They didn't get it right then. They didn't receive it in their lifetimes. That is an important emphasis that is made repeatedly in, in this picture. And notice what he says about that. Now, ha- but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Notice the picture of faith. 
God said it, so I see it from afar. Not that they'd really seen it, not with their own two eyes, but the faith in the Word of God that they could see it as if it were visible. Having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Notice, do you see any reward in that? You know, acknowledging that they were kings and received all the good of God in this life. No. Strangers and exiles in this life. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. This is a really important picture that's given here is that he describes throughout this chapter, the reward is not now. The reward is not now. And what the writer of Hebrews particularly underscores is if they were looking for that now, they would have had opportunity to return. They would have stopped. In fact, when we read the first generation, the exodus from Egypt, what is their primary problem? They do not have faith in the unseen, but rather are putting their minds on right now. And because right now they didn't have the reward, they all said, let's stone Moses and go back to Egypt. That's what he's highlighting. When you look at the present circumstances, you will be compelled to want to go back. You will be compelled to quit. You will want to give up on your faith. Those who are of faith do not look for the reward now. They don't look for pleasure now and enjoyment now. That's not what the goal is. They don't look at the present circumstances. And in fact, even further, they don't want those promises fulfilled now. You notice that's the idea of what happens in chapter 11. As he describes in verses 32 through 38, all of these people. And he says, now, here are all of these people. And he starts describing these great things. And you kind of start getting excited when he speaks of those who had conquered kingdoms like verse 33 and enforced justice stopping the mouths of lions you think this is exciting about faith but did you notice how it shifted as that was being described as he's describing look at what these people of faith did he then just starts saying well some were tortured refusing release suffered mocking flogging chains imprisonment stones sung in two killed by the sword left destitute wandering around in sheepskins and goatskins afflicted mistreated wandering in deserts and caves and dens and you go well what happened to all the good story of what was going on there because god was accomplishing great things through these people but they were still not receiving the reward now Even those through faith that are accomplishing amazing things that God was working through like Moses, like Joshua, like Elijah. They didn't receive the things promised now. They did not look for those things. In fact, notice verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Now, I want you to realize 
that that is a really good thing. It is a really good thing that we do not receive these things now. Notice that's the rest of the sentence. God has provided something better. We don't want what this life has. We've talked about in our in our lessons and we've talked about what we've seen in the book of Hebrews that we want something better than what this life has to offer because everything in this life is temporary. Everything here doesn't last. Nothing here stays new. Nothing here ultimately satisfies. Nothing gives us the lasting joy that we really think it will. We want something better. In fact, notice that was the highlight in verse 16 in talking about what these people did. How were they able to endure? And what gave them this great faith? And why were they able to accomplish these things even though they were strangers and exiles? Because it says there, as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Faith doesn't look for an earthly reward because everything earthly is temporary. And I hope that we would really rest on that idea for a minute. You don't want fulfillment to be here because it won't last. Because nothing here lasts. Not a single thing here lasts. That's why the text says they didn't desire this country. They desired a heavenly one. They want a better one. They want an eternal one. They want a lasting one. They weren't walking around in this life looking for all of their joy and happiness to be fulfilled here because they know tomorrow that's not going to work. As happy as you get and all the joy you get in one given day, just turn the page to tomorrow and it's always gone. And you might get a good week, you might get a good month, you might even be lucky enough to have a good year. But at some point when you live life long enough, you know what goes up comes down. It always does that. Why would we look for satisfaction and reward here? None of the people of faith did. None of them looked for their satisfying joy in this life. We want a lasting reward. We want an eternal reward. And that leads to the third point. Faith always looks upward. Over and over again, this is stated for us. Why were they able to endure all that they endured? Why were they able to accomplish what they were able to accomplish? Even though they could not see the outcome, even though they didn't experience the promises, even though it wasn't given to them in this life, how could they endure? And the answer that the writer of Hebrews gives is that they desired better things and thus their faith looked higher. Their faith always looked up. 
Their faith never looked in this life. If we want the better, if we want the eternal, if we recognize that everything that this life has to offer is temporary, it is passing away, it is not lasting, then we're going to put our eyes on the thing that is lasting and then our faith will be looking upward. In fact, that is exactly what you see Abraham is described in verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, it talks about going to this foreign land in which he was unable to know where he was going. How was he able to do that as he's living in tents? Verse 10 says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. How could he possibly leave everything that he knew in life, leave all of his family, go in a dirt? that he did not know where he was going to be. And when he finally gets to that land, he's not in palaces and in hammocks and in palm trees. He is living in tents. He is living just there on the land. Not what the promises of God sound like at all. How was he able to do it? Because his faith looked upward. Because he looked forward to a city with real foundations. He looked forward to what God was designing and building than what could be designed and built in this world. He didn't look at the present circumstances. He didn't remain in error because what God said to him about leaving home and family didn't make sense. He was able to leave home and go to an unknown land. Because he was looking forward to a city that was built by God. In fact, jump to verse 24 now and listen to the same idea repeated in regards to Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God. Now, Moses... Why would you do that? You could have been called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's a good life. There's all kinds of pleasure and joy living in that place. There is your Egyptian palace. There is all the benefits of this life. And it says he chose not to do that. And not only did he choose not to do that, he chose to be mistreated with his own people. Why? Number one. He was not going to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Notice how the writer of Hebrews puts that forward. Sin is not what he wanted. Sin was not what he wanted. He didn't desire it. He had a faith that caused him to look higher. His faith allowed him to not look at the present circumstances and say, well, I want joy and pleasure now, and so I'm going to stay right here in Pharaoh's household. His faith looked upward so that he rejected the desires and fleeting pleasures of sin. Number two, he considered the reproach of Christ of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Why? You see the looking upward again idea? He was looking to the reward. Think about that sentence. 
the disgrace of Christ, to be disgraced with Him, the reproach of Christ, was of far greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. And I love that He brings Christ in to that picture of the Old Testament. Relationship with God is far better than anything this life can give you. And he was able to do it because he was looking the right direction. He was looking to the greater reward. And notice how he ends that section by saying how he left Egypt by faith. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Do you like that little paradox? (laughs) He saw the unseeable. He didn't have to see, see God. But he saw all that lied ahead. He saw what God was offering. He saw the reward. And he saw then that everything that this life has to offer is worth completely rejecting for the greater treasure of Christ. That's what the writer of Hebrews is driving at. And this is the mentality that we have to adopt. We want something better than this life. That's step one. That has to become true. Because I feel like that's our first hurdle. Do we really want what more than what this life has to offer? I'm afraid what we do is we live for all that this life has to offer. We kind of put God on the caboose and He'll come along with us as we seek all that this life has to offer. Notice none of the people of faith did that. None of the people of faith said, I'm going to get everything I can out of this life and I'll just kind of like God in the process too. They wanted something better than this life. And when they wanted something better than this life, they were able to look upward. Only then are we able to look up toward God. We're able to avoid sin as described of Moses here. Because we are looking forward to the joys and the pleasures of God. When we look for the joys and the pleasures of this life, what are we going to do? Go into it. We have to see the greater wealth and the greater joy and the lasting satisfaction of relationship with God to be able to say no to this life and say no to this sin, to reject the pleasures of this world, recognizing that the pleasures of God will be so much better. This is the critical point that the writer of Hebrews is making. Can I underscore it for you like this? Good things come for waiting. We had an old ketchup commercial that said that. Good things come when you wait. That's why you would buy Heinz over the knockoff product because the commercial said it's worth waiting for. Good things come for waiting and we are willing to forfeit something in this life for the greater thing. The disaster of faith is please think about how often we forfeit the lasting treasures of heaven and God for temporary satisfaction. 
I don't want to steal too much. This is a huge deal in Hebrews because in chapter 12, he's going to bring in Esau and go, what did Esau do? This is where he's tracking. We must understand that the pleasures of this life are not worth the forfeiture of the lasting eternal riches of God. And that's why Abraham does what he does. Forfeits this world, goes to where God is pointing. Moses forfeits what was given to him and goes to where God is pointing. Again and again, the people of faith that are described in chapter 11 are pointing to that picture. Let's bring it all together then. Back in chapter 10, in verse 38, he said, The righteous live by faith. We are truly the people of God, then we must live by faith, which means then number one, if we are truly going to live by faith, we must recognize that we are not going to see the outcome of our faith now. We are just not. And sometimes we hang so much on our faith in the hope that God is going to reward right now. He's got to do something for me now. I'm good. I'm righteous. I'm trying. I'm a Christian. Doesn't he see? And so do something. And I hope when you feel that that pain and you feel that pull, come back to chapter 11 and read about these people. And read about how they didn't see the outcome of their faith. Twice it is said... They did not receive the promises. They did not enjoy it in this life. They did not receive what was promised. It was not given to them. And even worse, some of the descriptions of mockery, flogging, imprisonment, sword, uh, sawn in two, all of these descriptions. They did not receive what was promised. But friends, that doesn't mean they are not the people of God. You must love verse 38 when it says, Of whom the world was not worthy. God, please give us that title one day that we lived in such faith. Such an amazing faith to forfeit this life that God would come and say, the world was not worthy of that individual. They so lived by faith. Number two, living by faith means we do not desire this life to give us all that we desire. We have to change our orientation on desire. If we live for trying to get our joy and satisfaction all out of this life, it's not a life of faith. Faith is in the unseen. Faith is trusting in the future to come. Faith means that we understand that we are not going to live in this world in a way that we will try to satisfy all of those desires and all of those yearnings. This is the grand call of faith. Is that what we are ultimately doing is that we are trusting that God will bring to bear and reward with such a great wealth of reward in the future that it's worth not looking at this life and what it doesn't give to us. 
that it is absolutely okay for this life to go completely upside down, completely sideways, not go according to plan, be completely horrible by anybody's definition, and we will be okay with that because we are looking forward to a greater reward. Faith blows apart when we look to the reward here. That's when faith struggles. That's when we are ultimately challenged. And that's when we give up. We give up when we look at this life. We will not give up if we look at the life to come. And number three. Living by faith means that we're not alone in the struggle. Why did God give us such a list of people? I mean, so many. He could have just named one and made all these points. But name after name after name after name as he moves through the course of history. Name upon name upon name. Why do that? Why not just say, faith looks upward. Why does he want to give you all the names? I believe so that we will realize that we're not alone. We are not the first people who have been called upon to look upward and reject the desires of this world. Everybody who has lived by faith has had to do that. Every single one. What we are doing is not unusual. It's not strange. It's what everybody from Adam has been called to do. Have faith. And it starts in the very beginning with Cain and Abel as the writer of Hebrews draws out. And he just moves along saying, everybody must live by faith. So let me end by coming back to verse 1. Faith is the support of our hope. Faith is the assurance, the thing that stands under it. That's what faith is. And if faith then is the support of hope, if you think of it like a building, and faith is your foundation and pillars, and here's hope standing up here on the top is the roof, then what you hope in really matters. Because if your hope is in this life, you can't have faith. Faith is the thing that stands under the hope. So if you put your hope in the wrong place, your faith will never work. Faith will work when our hope is not for this world, but for the eternity with God. When our eyes are on the better country, when our eyes are on the greater pleasures, when our eyes are on the greater wealth, when we are looking for the true city with true foundations who architect and builder is God, when that's where we're looking, now faith will hold that hope up. But when we look at this life, that's when faith falls apart. Isn't that the message of Peter walking on the water? Where you look matters. What you hope in matters. It changes everything. Your faith will be shattered if you aren't looking the right way. All of these looked upward. All of these 
didn't desire this life, but they desired the life to come. All of these understood that faith is all about the unseen. And that is necessary to gain God's approval. Let's go to God in prayer, then we'll have a song in just a moment. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would have a greater faith. There are times when faith is so hard because we want to see. We want to see you. We want to see the reward. We want to see eternity. We want to see all that lies ahead. And we become uncomfortable trusting in the unseen. Lord, please give us a greater faith. Give us the faith that we need to believe in the unseen. We would not hope for this world. We would not hope for this life. We would not seek the treasures of this world. And that we would never forget that you have something so much better prepared for us. Something so much better. Lord, forgive us for how often we trade away the great riches of what you are offering for the useless emptiness of this life. How often we choose so poorly. Please forgive us of doing that. Please forgive us for as often as we turn back and as we take opportunities to return back into the sin and the world that we came from rather than pressing on towards you. Lord, we need more faith. And Lord, we pray that what we've read of these great people of faith in chapter 11 will encourage us to desire the greater reward and to always look upward to you. In Jesus' name.